Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Jan Cassie, a.k.a. Billy Murphy! Hey! hey. Oh, hey. oh, my! <laughs> Thanks, Shane. Brilliant. How's the form, Shane? I'm just worried now. Did Jimmy cross his legs or not? <laughs> I'm not in Dunbar, are you? Hi, gang. And ciao. How's the form? Do you know Billy Murphy is like a fictional version of Timmy? Well... <laughs> I'm not out 30 seconds and he robbed my joke <laughs> I did have a feeling I met one of you before alright I, I got a couple of slaps one night outside um, Hillbillies right I won't mention any names right I'm very sorry I'm very I'm actually wrong I shouldn't have said that it was John Grace's <laughs> <laughs> it was probably you know Jesus the other day I was there in the 90s outside John Grace's remember and if you remember after Henry's uh-huh <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, no times. yeah. Do, you, do you remember um, remember if you were going into Henry's years and years ago and you'd be in the queue and you'd be judging the timeline for when you come up <laughs> and you'd be saying how long now will this be? You'll be saying, uh, I'd say the last time it took me 20 minutes, so the queue is probably back as, as far as the pub in the corner. I, said, yeah, I don't know minutes. what you're talking about, <laughs> me. I don't have a clue. But anyway, you're about halfway up the queue anyway, and next all of a sudden you're starting to come up, and you're saying, Jesus, I'm not going to get in here now at all. All my friends are getting in. They're not after coming up yet. I'm taking it. How are you keeping? I'm brilliant. I kind of got a bit of a panic attack when I saw all the boss spit there. <laughs> I was up to here in Tanora that day. <laughs> on, on, God's honest truth, I'd suggested the Tanora and I was going to drink Tanora originally. And then I said, actually, I'll ask for a bottle of milk. Yeah. And Fanula Linehan, I know her husband, John, the referee, is here now tonight. Hi, John. Hi, John. Hi, John. How's the farm? <laughs> so I was lashing into the uh, Tanora for the afternoon when I got tired. Like, And I'm not low Tanora in my house. <laughs> I get hyper. But you know, be, you know, before we get into like the the young offenders and your yeah. career, which is very successful, go take us back. To where you're from? What was it like growing up? What was school like for you? Uh, was school. <laughs> school was grand. At Turner's Cross, um, Skull Cree Street, lovely. I'm from um, Friars Walk. I, I'd say as the crow flies, I live right in the middle between where my mother and father are from. My mother is from Ballyfehan, and my father's from Greenmount. So I grew up on Friars Road, like, so that's where I'm from. So I went down the hill to Skull Creek Street, had a great time. Then I went into Clash, then it wasn't great at all. Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, well, like, Jimmy was here now earlier. I was shit at hurling and football, just to get that out of the way. 
I think like I, I think I got two goals in one point and that was the lot. That wasn't in one match, that was the whole lot. Like, was uh, the acting something that you noticed at a young age? Yeah, it was really. Um it was in the family. My aunt used to work here, Anne and Paula was involved in, in acting as well. They had an interest in it. So it was always in me, like doing impressions and voices and and stuff like that. And it kind of like a shy man's revenge as well. There is an element to that, you know. How did you get into it? Um, there was a woman who used to come into the class uh, in school, in primary school, called Marion Wyatt, and it was 50 pence for the class. And sure, everybody opted in, and it was a bit of a laugh. And one day she said, will you come out to my class out in the Douglas Road at the time? And I never went out. But a year later, she came back and she said, will you come to my class again? And it was being held in the school on a Friday afternoon. And I said, I don't know about the money, like, because it was the 80s. Like, not that I was ever wanting, don't get me wrong, like. But she said, no, you have a bursary, I'm looking after you. And she did that for a couple of years where, you know, my parents paid, obviously. But she went, no, you got the scholarship this year. And it was a vote of confidence, you know. And especially for somebody, you know, it's great and Jimmy and all the achievements. And I'm delighted to have met him tonight. That's massive. But not everybody can be good at sports. And I definitely in that category. Do you know what? Do you know what the story there reminds me of? So we two people on the podcast: Mario Rosenstock yeah. and Willa White. Yeah, two very talented men. Yeah, right. Similar abilities. I've met both. I met Willa in Dublin. Very nice yeah. fellas, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. But you know, like the two of them had kind of difficult backgrounds and a lot of talent. In Mario's family, they were able to get a few quid together to put him into private school and into yeah. the classes. But Willa's family didn't have those resources, you know. Yeah. So like. Some children have a lot of talent, but you still need a bit of luck. You still need some, like a bursary or a person that would encourage you along the way. Yeah, yeah. well, I, it, a lot of it is luck. I was never wanting, no, so don't get me wrong. I've no sob stories in that regard. Like, But I was lucky that that woman was in the school and was like, no, this fella has something, do you know what I mean? Because I wasn't the ca class clone. I wasn't getting up, putting myself out there. But when the acting came in, it was coming out of me. So I was very lucky that way, you know? And you know like, when did it really start to take off, then, your acting career? Well, I left school and I went off and did painting and decorating okay. for four years. And Up the trades? Yeah. yeah. Up the trades? Yeah, and yeah. I had a great time with it. I did a very good. I worked with my uncle and I had a very good time with it. And uh, I'm glad I had it. And it's something that I can always go back to. Uh, I'm not a very good painter either, like, but... But Brian's looking for a painter. They are actually in the second row. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be over to do the kitchen tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but it's been good. It's always good to have something to subsidise the arts as well, you know. So I, I was very lucky. There was a guy in Dublin who'd give me a bit of work when I wasn't acting or I didn't have something. But then when the profile grows, you have to be careful, you know. You can't be... Like, I was working behind uh, the four courts. Not in the four courts, no, lads, right? Uh, <laughs> working behind there and... The, the publicist from the show rang when the bus episode happened and he said, look, you're probably putting the, better off putting the paintbrushes away for a while. And it was just as well anyway because all the lads I was working with was robbing them like in uh, uh, a I good party paintbrush for anyone who knows is about 35 euros. Like I was doing a bit of painting and decorating myself there for a while after school, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was painting, uh, there's a few, ma I went through every painting contractor in Cork in about 12 months. <laughs> you know, during the time of the Celtic Tiger, yeah, yeah. I, I finished work on a Friday, get the sack, the paint to be still on the fingers, I'd be with another employer. Yeah, yeah. But there was one, one of them was Brian, Timmy's friend Brian, he's there, right? But him and his other friend, Mickey Crowley. So I went down anyway, I went in anyway. My tongue was blue from eating diazepam, Valium. Right. right? So I went in anyway. <laughs> 
I just looked at the ceilings and the sheepskin roller and I went into Mickey's van and fell asleep. Yeah. And Mickey comes over at lunchtime, knocks on the window. We call it a day. We call it a day, boy. <laughs> yeah, that was true. I just became a full-time addict then after that. I said, fuck it. Well, I'll admit to this. Do you know what? Um, not not dissing anybody, but I think there is a percentage of that in the trade. Like, you know, I worked with a fella in Dublin and I'm not name dropping him or anything, but he's just, I was saying to you, side stage, he's just out of a treatment centre. There's a lot of time to think when you're painting and decorating, yeah. you know what I mean? And you, it didn't suit me. No, me neither. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, if you, if you know, if you break up with your girlfriend or whatever, and a lot of guys, especially in, the late 90s, the early 2000s, were trying to live for the weekend because the country was tearing busy and fellas were trying to work Saturdays and Sunday mornings and stuff like that and then live it up at the weekend. Like So we went a bit mad for a while and, you know, I, I was glad I stepped away from it anyway. To be you honest. know, you made a great point there. Do you, do you know, like all a lot of the fellas that trades, yeah. like we love working practically, always kept busy. You know, when COVID came in, when COVID came in, a lot of tradesmen that were so used to being busy because they needed to be busy. That was a difficult time. I know it was difficult for me and a lot of friends of mine as well because they were at home, the gyms were closed. Yeah. It was a really, really difficult time for everybody. Wasn't yeah, it? If, if you want to get fit, like yeah. go work on a building site for a yeah. week. Like you don't even have to do painting or like you can carry the paint for the fellow who is the spray machine and that's the best workout you're ever. Like you're going to be working out for eight hours a day, like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but I packed that in and then went off and I, that woman again, very uh, luckily again, she was wanting Stefan Nafer and uh, a neighbour of mine, uh, Mr. O'Reilly, two, two doors up, said, you know, Shane, if you're not working for a while, you can go back to college. And I went, all right, because I was only 21 at the time. So I had a little bit of not working and then. I went out to Stefan F and there was a theatre performance course out there and I'd gone from building sites on my own or with one other fell into a room with 15 girls and four lads and I was like, well, like my aunt's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're lonely, like. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I so, say you weren't lonely for long. Well, like, <laughs> we leave it for the biographer. <laughs> the missus is in, no lads. <laughs> Shout out to as well. Um, yeah, so out to Stefane for, for a year and I made loads of mistakes out there, you know, in personal life and stuff like that. But where I could learn, you know, uh, do loads of plays. And then I came out and I didn't kind of do much for another year and was lucky that Graffiti Theatre Company up the road gave me a bit of work and Cyclone and different companies and just kind of tipped along. And then I would have met Peter Foote. Um, who is married to Hillary, who's in the show, and he would have given me bits and bobs and RT, and I did the window shakes, the barley, and and stuff like that. And then Peter got back onto me and asked me to audition for for um, the Young Offenders film about eight years ago. And I was I just moved to Dublin. I was with herself. I had no money. She had no money. I had no job. She had no job. So bad. She got a job in the Leprechaun Museum, right? <laughs> <laughs> I make a joke in that hurt just going out the back door there. <laughs> I make a joke in schools like that. My advice to you in the Leprechaun Museum is don't go, it's shit. <laughs> but it wasn't shit after my wife started working there, I tell you. Hey. That. You know? Um so I got a call off this guy, you know, Monkstown. Hi Shane. <laughs> I was like, okay. Would you like to be in the film? And I had to go away and talk to herself about it, which is fair enough. Uh, and I had to talk to my agent, and you know, I'm not going to say she wasn't eager, like, but, you know, we had no money, mm -hmm. and this fella's asking me to 
go down and do a film and there wasn't much bobs at the time and I had a conversation with him and I remembered where I was phoning him to what I thought tell him I wasn't going to do his film and him nice guy from Monkstown you know boat shoes lovely chap he kind of went look Shane I'm going to make this film with or without you shit or get off the pot that's what he said now I don't want to get too vulgar here like but you get you know I'm going to make the film with or without you and he is a very good way about him he kind of has an alchemy of like everything he says he does he's going to do he doesn't want to disappoint you so I ended up doing three or four days that that's all my sacrifice was and it was the best decision I made in my life but it wasn't the Billy Murphy character was what you didn't audition for that for the no but I think that's where the kind of the the setup kind of was was he got me to audition for the guard (laughs) yeah jeez and then, and then he was like, so like auditions are not coming out here and doing your scene. And next, could we have someone who's taller? It's like you film it on your phone or you look for a bit of blue tack. You stick your phone on the wall and you film it and you <laughs> awkwardly move back up to your phone to press stop. So I sent him off this terrible audition as the guard and I wasn't suited to it. And he said, look, there is something else in there. And I was like, let me guess, the working class criminal, is it? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so, he said, look, it's there for you if you want it. And uh, I haven't looked back. I know Six it's... months later, I was out in the building site again, waiting for the film. To, like, as I mentioned to you, like painting railings. And I see the poster going up in the cinema down the road. Like, yeah, I can see my name on the poster. Yeah. Like, and I'm painting the railings. And I see people that, yeah. But... We all know what it's like to worry about getting coal into the house and mm. paying bills. And my thing for a while was if I can fill the fridge. I had two jobs in Dublin. One was handing out crackers and cheese in the supermarket, right? Yeah. Normally a job reserved, and these are my favourite people, reserved for women in their late 60s, right? But it prepped me for what I needed to do, like meeting people that I didn't know. So I, was, I had six months of meeting people that I didn't know, handing out cheese and crackers. And then I went back to the painting, which was kind of breaking my heart. Uh, but I'm painting the railings. I've seen people going in to see a film that I'm in. Well, like one in ten. And I'm like, did you, what did you go to see? Ah, the young offender. So I goes, what was it like? Yeah, it was, it was very good. It's just full of cork fillers, you know. Yeah. Ah, Jesus, it's Billy Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't write it, like. Do you know that moved a change in your life? You know, going from a painting, painter... And just going into acting, there must have been a lot of fear. You know, what if this doesn't work over here? No, what am I going to do then again? You know, was there a lot of fear? Because I know, like, when we started this podcast and, and we allowed ourselves to be feel vulnerable yeah. and, and put ourselves out there, I was completely consumed around fear. It was just a very, very strong emotion that was in my body at the time. And, like, any change that anybody has in their lives... Like that change is there and the fear is there to move you on to the next step in life. Like without stepping into fear, you yeah. will still you'll always have the same life. I I for me, it came in a very different way. I've never been like I've been out here and I haven't known my lines, like you know, I'm doing a play and I can't remember the bits. That's fear, like, you know, that that creeps in every now and again. Yeah. But fear is like I remember I couldn't drive ten years ago and I had a fear that the father and I know was going to be Asher. Look, he didn't even learn how to drive. 
it wasn't creeping in with the acting because I had a good perception of that yeah. a few years ago. I was up in the fucking crane and I was messing around anyway. We were doing some play and it wasn't my section. I was sitting around and I got separated from the gang, two of my friends, still friends, and uh, I was making them laugh. Of course, you're a kid, like, and the stage manager went, you know, they're not laughing with you, they're laughing at you. And I was like, I don't give a shit. And I tell you why, because I have control over that. I'm making them laugh. Yeah. I know they're not laughing at me in a bad way. Like, I'll meet dozens of lads now in town, and it can be intimidating, you know, 15 and 16-year-olds in tracksuits, and all right, Billy, whatever. But I'm kind of still in control of that within, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fear, but it does change overnight. Like, we went into the market one night for the bus episode, and I didn't really know what was coming. And I met Pascal Sheehy outside. Pascal Sheehy, RT News car. And he says, he says, Shane, myself and my son, we watch the show religiously every week. And it's been a real bonding thing for us. And I was like, <laughs> he's a lovely man. All right. He is actually. You know what he said actually... to me? I, I said, you're, you're from Tralee, eh? Do you know my uncle? He says, I do, yeah. He says, Burridi, yeah. Filthy footballer, Shane. <laughs> That's what he said. But he said it was a real bonding thing. And I kind of, the penny dropped. I went, okay, that was an important thing to hear from a man who doesn't have to be bowing down to me in any way. But we went upstairs in the English place I've been going to with my father and mother since I was that height. And I went upstairs in the English market and it was a charity gig, so the vibes were good, right? And they put on the bus episode and I came down and my life was different. I'm not saying it was better or worse, but it was just different. like. And that was a special night that night, like... It's not about photographs and it's about people feeling good about themselves, you know. I, I think you brought a lot of depth to the character. Like, you know, myself and Timmy with the podcast, like we bring people on that, um, you know, people that would that maybe like similarities with Billy Murphy, they're all causing trouble, they're maybe doing robbing and stuff like that. But then when you get to know the character, there's something very endearing about them. There's something yeah. very, and when you learn about the experiences Billy had, and you can kind of understand, not excuse, but you can understand, you see, like, he's actually a hot man. Like, yeah. it, was that written in the script, or did you bring that little it, bit yourself? It, it certainly was after when we started pulling it out, like, you know, so I, I can't take credit for that, but, like, Peter let me improvise things, like, so you're make you do a scene, and then you do it again and again. You've got all these different angles, and then you're testing the water, whether the other actor is going to work with you and accept the offer, but... That moment there, and you can see me thinking where I punch a man in the stomach. I was like, I don't want to be a bully. Like, yeah. my job, my job, and that's an important thing. I remember this, my job. I don't want to be taking the piss out of the lads that are on your thing at all, because I'm not like You're that. You're perpetuating the stereotype. Your job like. as an actor, yeah, my job as an actor is to defend my character. That's it. Whatever about the rest of it, play the part of the team, and I'm there, and I'm going, I don't want it to be patronising, because... I am working class, you know, my parents are working class, my family are, and I have friends who are. Don't want to get hung, hung up in the working class hero thing, no, like, yeah. but Which I was like, remember your roots. you know, you know, Timmy, you yeah. know, James, you've I, seen fellas who have beaten people up, yeah. and five minutes later, they can yeah. be, I know, they might get over it, but other times they can be going, what did I do that for, or whatever, and for him to go, tell your mum I was asking for her. Yeah. That was my saving grace because half a cork says that. Like, yeah. it's not like I wrote the line. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Like, <clears throat> that's 
that character there, and we spoke about that scene there the other day, myself and you, and we were talking about it, and, and I said it to you, I said, that's why the conversation came up about it. I was saying, like, even though I was out there and I was doing things to hurt people, hurting myself, and, and a lot of it was bad and stuff that, like, it, yeah. it, there's no justification for... I always knew deep down that there was a good side of it there, and, he, uh, like, when I seen that, it reminded me of myself as well in some way, yeah. You know, the, the the vulnerability, knowing that you're doing these things, but you have to keep up this kind of persona as well. There's, like, there's a f funny thing that happens with him, right? I get I get older people, older women who are like, th who, that can see beyond the language is brilliant when people, like you get, oh, the language is very bad sometimes. But you get older people who are like, older women are like, they love Billy. And then young flas, who shouldn't be watching the show at all, by the way, <laughs> who are like five, right? <laughs> The God's honest truth. And they can relate to things. Like, I want to leave the space to let you feel how you want to feel, Timmy. You mm. watch the show, and if you take something away from it, that's what art is. You do a painting, and you go, oh, that's a load of rubbish. Or you see another painting, you go, well, that boy there now in that painting is a lonely little boy, and that's that. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to put the painting up for you, and you figure out how you feel about it. So if you feel that way, isn't it great? Why do you think that the children... Like you're like a cult hero, the character because, with, with the because kids. Because he needs help. He needs help. He needs a friend. Emotively, little yeah. boys can see he needs help. He's lonely. Yeah, he is. He's, he's lonely. on his own. He's lonely. Yeah. You know. And and you know what? <clears throat> Most people that are that character in real life are quite lonely. Well, we all know one. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. We all know one. And stop looking at me. No. <laughs> Um, no, feeling uncomfortable. No, <laughs> no, 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 I don't. It could be a long list in Cork. Let's be fair. <laughs> I, I went to town one day. I think I had to fill, hand in a farm somewhere, and me and my buddy were there, and two lads got out of a car, no names. <laughs> and uh, your man was singing crisscross, make you daddy Mac and make you jump, jump. Great song too. Not in 1984. And my buddy went, my buddy started laughing. The next thing your man said, I fucking try into the river. <laughs> and then I heard another story about 15 years later. My buddy goes, I think I was pushed into the river there one time. I think it was this fella. <laughs> all right. Same fella. Uh, but you've often, we've all been back at house parties where the soil, soil grand, the next one character walks in and the whole energy yeah, changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't think he's necessarily like that. Look, no. credit to you, lads. You're in here. And the a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Opera House on a Saturday night, you've changed and you've turned things around, right? I worked with plenty of people who have had issues and, you know, I'm sure I probably will, you know. But there was that saying and it stood out to me, Oscar Wilde, who was judged harshly in his own lifetime because of... Mm his own sexuality and stuff. And he said, look, every saint, has a, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And you've turned it around for the people of, ye have turned it around yourselves and you should be very proud because you've opened up the door for la- Lance. Whether they're, whether they're working class or not, they could be walk, working down the mall, sticking fucking six grams of coke up their nose every Friday night. I don't know, and I'm not passing any judgment on that. But what you're doing is you're opening up the door for men, men to have conversations with other men and not judge them. So fair play to you. Yeah, thanks, thanks. And in in your opinion, in your own opinion around mental health, around men and stuff, what do you think needs to be done? What 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 more should men start doing? in order to look after their own, their own mental health? Well, just talking is the number one. Like, we're not going to solve it here tonight, you know what I mean? And I, I'm not a therapist, you know. I know plenty of them. I do. And they're great people. And the best thing I ever did was go and have a chat with somebody. I'd highly recommend it. It's great crack an awful lot of the time. Yeah. And it's, it, that's the truth. It's great crack. Yeah. Do you know? So, like, I do the workshops in the schools as you were kind of going to get on to my yeah. advice to the lads. I was up in the Norman the other day and I hadn't done a primary school before. My old haunt. And they brought me into the sixth class lads. And sure, I had to pull it back big time. How they knew me, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I say to them, and it's having... Ha- ha- I have a bad haircut now at the moment. I'm working on something, if you haven't heard, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and... I can't choose my haircut most of the time for parts and stuff like that. And and there's a saying, and it's not my saying, it was this workshop was originally developed by Graffiti Theatre Company out in Blackpool. It was a resilience and communication workshop. And we get to the point of, you know, you're talking about general general problems, is don't go to the butcher for a haircut. You go to the right person for the right job. And even the the 11 and 12-year-old lads inside the North Mon last Friday were going, yeah, because if you go to a butcher, he's going to cut off your ears and blah, blah, blah. And then another small fellow went, you'll get a shit haircut too. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask, although my nephew is very clued in, I'm not going to ask my 13-year-old nephew advice about my wife or about women or whatever. Do you know what I mean? One, he doesn't have a clue. <laughs> And two, it's not appropriate. You go to the right person for the right job. And, and I wish I knew that when I was in school. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's kind yeah, of it. And listen, um, even though myself and Timmy now, we're, you know, we, we have the podcast on, it's going well, thank God. Yeah. Like, but like we're still in recovery at the end of the day. Like yeah. We might be far removed from a drink and drug at this stage, like, but 
we didn't get a certificate to say you're recovered, go on about your business. It's an ongoing thing for us, even. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm back in counselling myself, and uh, I do my own kind of stuff at the moment. No, looking after nutrition and fitness is important to me because I, yeah. I neglected myself, I think, over yeah. the last 12 months, looking for kind of high energy foods or sugar, but it doesn't, it didn't help me at all. Um, yeah. But no, when you're eating healthy and you're doing, I suppose, it, what I'm trying to say is, it doesn't have to get to a crisis. No, look for help. Like we're also acknowledging there is a difference between mental health and mental illness. You know what I mean? And I, I, I don't go in preaching in schools at all. I'm just talking about my own experience as an early school leaver and stuff like that. You know, so uh, I, I'm certainly not a, a mental health ambassador or or anything like that. I'm just telling stories that I can relate. To. Resilience is getting things done as well. You know, and the communication is vitally important. You know, so. If, if it affects one lad and he goes and he asks somebody for help because there was a time when I didn't go and ask and my parents have always been open and stuff like that. And I went, you know what, I'll just keep this to myself. And and I made choices that it, maybe I wouldn't make now, you know. But I'm happy in the choices that I made in life. I'm very, very grateful for everything I have. Cork and the people of Cork have been so, so kind to me over the last few years and I mean it. But like... I, I don't regret the way things went for me in school because my story, I can tell in those workshops, has helped people and I've got that feedback back from them. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we, we had a guy on the podcast there last year, his name was Josh Connolly, and he spoke about resilience. And he said something about resilience that really, really stuck to me. He said... People look at resilience as something that you just keep going. There's tough times, there's issues here with family, the work, children, doesn't matter what it is, and you just keep going, you push through it. And he says, it's not just about pushing through it. It's also about leaving yourself vulnerable and leaving yourself feel everything along that push through yeah. and, and processing it. it. You know, because if you're being resilient, and you're not dropping into yourself and feeling what way you're feeling when something difficult you is going on. You said that to me the other day, and it, yeah. it, it stuck with me, the whole acceptance thing, and accepting how you're feeling is, is, is vitally important. But again, I, back to the resilience, it's going to change. Your opinion on these things is going to change. And I'd say, looking back, I didn't have a clue what I was on about when I was doing the workshop originally. Whereas now I'm kind of going, look, resilience isn't isn't glamorous either. It's getting up when you feel you can't get up. It's going to the job you don't want to go to or going to hospital and visiting people. And Until something better comes. Filling out forms like, yeah. wrecks my fucking yeah. head. That's definitely a cork thing, though. You know? That is a cork thing. Yeah, yeah. Might be a spelling yeah. thing as well. And we're <laughs> <laughs> but come out, you know, because you're so recognisable now as Billy Murphy, the character, is it difficult to, for people to see it as Shane when you're out and about? Well, you see the penny dropping every now and again. They kind of go, oh, <laughs> oh, there's a bit more going on here. If you have a comment, <laughs> you know. There's a muscle top now underneath the green jacket here. I know, a red one. <laughs> well, there's like, hi, Billy. Like, there's, there's a percentage of people who cannot see beyond the voice. Yeah, you know? yeah. They can't see beyond that. Uh, my 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 job is to work. It's not to worry about getting typecast or how people treat me. Like you know, if pe if people are rude to me, yeah, you know, 
I'll tell him where to go, but that doesn't happen. Like, 99 times out of 100, everyone's brilliant to me. My job is just to work, you know? And I'm lucky enough I do a bit of writing. I was in here with my own play, and I'm doing stuff, so I, I'm lucky, you know? Can, can you just talk about your own play, Wet Paint, the small bit, and just tell yeah. people what it was about? I was in here one Friday night, and I, I was looking across where you are at my best, my best mate. Well, my wife is my best mate, like, but... Uh, you know what I mean, right? And he's saying lines I wrote 10 years ago up in a house in Sunday as well because I went into <laughs> a local welfare officer yeah. and she went, Shane, the acting isn't really working out for you. <laughs> and I was like, well, the carpentry work isn't really working out for me, buddy. <laughs> the electrical workers are working over, you know, that kind of stuff. And I went, I've worked nine months at this, and actually I didn't say anything. I didn't have the guts to say anything. I just went home and got a bit sour. And I sat down and I started writing this monologue. I was on the Late Late Show once. That was the opening line. And from that, I had a monologue. And my buddy went, that's really good. You should keep going with that. And it became wet paint. It became about the inner thinkings of a man on a men on building sites. And I did a scene up here, I was telling Timmy, and the last time it was great about a guy. He's talking about getting his stuff in diesel, you know, his shorts. They wear the best of gear, all this crack. <laughs> and then I do this thing where I kind of break the fourth wall, where I come out of the play, and I think I, the audience kind of thinks I've hurt myself. And then I do a monologue about how I found a lump on my testicles. And uh, the the reaction was really really fucking good like but i'm looking at my mate doing the monologue later on and it was just one of the best experiences like like you know you get a buzz out of a clap and all of that but seeing something come to life is is the best thing ever like so i love writing it's it's like a puzzle putting it together like really and i don't do enough of it but I, i'm working on a project now at the moment and it's because i've got the scaffolding and the support of you know family and friends and the right people you're trying to find the right combinations all the time for people to go oh yeah i'll produce that or i'll help you i've got a new play that should be coming out soon it's called the man who talks the statues and it's mad very <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good well, watch out for it I, I wanted to ask you a question. Go for it. So I have a friend. Everyone's going to think it's me now, by the way, but it's not me, right? <laughs> but I, I'm, not, I'm not worried if you do. Uh, I said this to you earlier, James, and I hope it's, it's okay. I have a friend who's just come out of treatment, and, you know, uh, he's, he's had a, a couple of months and over Christmas and stuff, and I know he's, he'll probably hear this at some point, so would you have advice for my friend uh, how to... How to how to be to yourself when you've just come out of treatment, or for anybody who's here tonight. Yeah, I suppose I was that person a good few times, and I was in treatment a good few times. This time it worked for me, and the only thing I did differently was I accepted the help that was there for me. I went to like Sushila, who's sitting here at the Cock Lines. I went to the, the AA and the NA meetings. I was going to meeting with my key worker from the Simon, and people want to help you. The problem is we get in our own way. Yeah. And like we don't reach out, you know, and it, it's, it's like going into a self-help group is great for, you know, 12 steps and all that. But it's the social, the peer-to-peer -peer stuff. Fellas putting their arm around you afterwards, asking you, yeah. all right, fellas bringing you for a cup of coffee when you're feeling down. I don't know how, 
but you'll just get the right text from the right person at the right time when you're in that network. The support network is the thing. And I, I, I'm blessed. I have a good support network myself in, in the sense of just for my own, just for, you know, I need to go to the gym. I do a little bit of kickboxing. You know, I try to eat healthy. I have a, I have a sound dentist. Yeah. Sound dentist. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? He's very good to me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but a good support network. Yeah, if you're doing it on your own, if he's trying to white knuckle it, as they say, if yeah. he's isolating himself, isolation and disconnectedness is a breeding ground for a relapse. Yeah. Another part of it as well is, is, is if somebody really wants it, they will get it. You know, if they really, really, really want that life of recovery, there's some fantastic groups, you know, AA groups, NA groups, GA groups, find yourself a really solid group. You know, you mightn't find it in the first meeting you walk into, it mightn't be the second one. Find a solid group, find people that you aspire wanting to be. You know, what I done, I seen a counselor in treatment and I looked at him and I s and he had a similar story to me and I says, I want his life. Yeah, yeah. And I broke my fucking back wanting that life, you know. And there was days where I wanted to go back drinking because I was in so much pain. Yeah. But I didn't because I looked at the pictures on my wall. I see And that's resilience. Exactly. I was you thinking know? it's exactly what you said a while yeah. ago. That's yeah. what he's describing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like you can still have a shitty day and still go to work. You can wake up with a thick head, but still go to your appointment. Yeah. That's the type of thing yeah. you need to do. You know, there's a counsellor used to say to me, he said, in spite of how I'm feeling today, I will show up for life. Yeah. Because if you let your feelings and your thoughts rule your life, I'd never get out of bed. Yeah. I, I sometimes I didn't even have a bed to get out of. Thanks for that, lads. I'd say my body will appreciate it. Yeah. I hope he gets a kick out of it now. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's go into... A little bit of a brighter note. We were we were chatting the other day, like, and you fucking said. Yeah, I kind of freaked him out when I met him. I went, <laughs> "I'm not actually from Cork. My parents are from Cork. <laughs> I, I I actually grew up in South Africa, but <laughs> I lived in Ireland for a while." But I, there's cool I'm active in my life. Yeah, there's a whole story yeah. to that. And uh, <laughs> like when he was telling me the story, yeah. you no, know, I had Jay with me, my dog, yeah. and the dog Jay, my son. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. Keep going to school that day, but no, you didn't. No, no, um, that was last Sunday, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but wait, it wait. was the story behind it, you know. And we were there and we were walking, and it was like it was just the context of the story, it was mind blowing. Do you want to give us a little bit around the story? I can't remember what we were yeah. talking about <laughs> about the BBC. Oh, yeah, I went to meet the BBC. Yeah, first off, I went to meet like four or five different agents, and they were all like. Hi, Shane. How are you? Nice to meet you. They had no interest in me. And then I was like, they were like, and what are you doing now, Shane? I'm going off to meet the heads of the BBC. <laughs> they changed their opinion on me then. But when I met them, then I did that. Like, I went, I'm not, I'm not actually from Cork. My parents are from Cork. And they fucking lost their, <laughs> lost their minds. <laughs> so I'm thinking they're doing all my meetings like that from now. If I'm on the Late Late Show, if, James, when you're doing the Late Late Show now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do, do you know, right, when, when they came out in Paddy Power that I was 25 to 1, right? And I'm going into the top 10 at the moment as well. Oh, very good. The amount of people I had contacted me, contacted me looking for Thai show tickets. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Thai show tickets. The, the Nari's never missing an opportunity yeah. for like, tickets. You're like Roy Keane now at the cup <laughs> final, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that Roy Keane running around 
15 minutes before the biggest game of his life and he's looking for tickets. I know, yeah. That doesn't, that sums up Cork, like, you know. Yeah. Do, do you know if I was doing the tie show, I'd be gassed because I'd be there. Me shot off that there, Smilla. <laughs> Me a bash off that there. I'd have, to, I'd have to kind of get a elocution lessons or something. <laughs> I'll give you a hand. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, oh. about your accent as well. Do you ever hear um, your man, uh, the fella that does Nidge? What's his name again? Oh, yeah, yeah. I worked with Tom last year. Tom Lawler. Yeah. Tom oh, is you know, like his character like... and Nidge and his, his real voice are completely different. But you're, you, like, you kept your working class voice. Like yeah. if people hear me and Sean Connery, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Does it have the same sex appeal now? To be yeah. fair. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> End the conversation. Really high, yeah. okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you kept your own voice, and uh, it, like you yeah, have to exaggerate. Obviously, I obviously I don't. In other, like we were talking about that to you. I could have probably made things a whole lot easier for myself by playing the game a bit more, but. I kind of have to be myself because after a while I just go fuck this like yeah, yeah. do you know I have to be authentic and I'd like to think I am authentic if I meet you that I'm I just as I am the acting is for when you're on screen or on stage you know and sometimes it's like they you know we have a thing in the country about playing up you know you can't play up in class mm -hmm. you can only play down so you get a lot of upper middle anyway we're not going to go there tonight yeah, 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 yeah. but Tom is like you do whatever's right for Tom Von Lawler or whatever's right for anybody else doing their part is good for them. Just don't get in anybody's way, do you know? Yeah. Like, my missus was talking about the method acting recently and it's yeah. like, I'm not going to be up walking around the north side in a hoodie for two weeks to be Billy, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, I can, but I'm not, you know, you just don't get in anybody else's way when they have their process or whatever they're doing, you know? And, and my way is I just need to be myself. Uh, and then, you know, try to contribute to ideas. Do you remember um, yeah. back in the early 90s, River Phoenix? Yeah. So he was, uh, he was, he was playing the part of a rempi. Yeah. And he got really involved in that scene. And uh, he really got involved in drugs. And he ended up dying of an overdose as, as a young man. So it can be dangerous as well. Yeah, it, yeah. It can be an extreme, I suppose, form of the art. Yeah, well, they love making stories about these things. Like mm. your man goes off and learns how to be a cobbler for two years or... But a lot of it is Daniel bullshit. Daniel Lewis is yeah, very famous. A lot of it is bullshit. Like, you know, it is. Like, Heath Ledger, Where will Heath, read the lines? Heath Ledger went off and did another film after The Joker, but they're going to make something to sell newspapers or sell something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's you go off and you learn your lines and you do your best. And that's it. And like, there is different grades and different things. Like, you, you come up with ideas and you have stories in the back of your head that you might never use or whatever needs to be. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, like I was a professional uh, football referee in a film. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do much research, you know. Uh, uh, I just learned my lines and did a bit of running. Uh, and got a, a red no. and a yellow card in the way with you. What? A, a red and a yellow card in the way with that, you. That was it, and I still fucked that up. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. tell us, tell, did you did you realise how big the young fellas was going to take off? Yeah. Well, in. I didn't, but every time he says something, Peter, Peter Foot, every time he says something, it tends to come about. It's like, this is going to go to the cinema. This is going to do well. It's going to do well for you. Great. That happened. The BBC got on board. This, we're going to do the first season. You're not going to have much at the start of the season, but the last episode is going to be on you. It's going to be a big one for you. That happened. Two and three came along great, and now we're back for four and... I can't really talk about that, but I'm yeah. delighted. Hey. hey! 
I'm really, really happy, you know, and, and when you go in there and you love the people, I mean, actually love the people you work with, like, that, that's an amazing thing. Do you know what you've done? You've put cork on the mark. The, the Peter Foot has done it. Yes, Peter you Foot have. Has done it. But in terms of actors, you've put, like, we've all these... Uh, these oh, yeah, Killian Murphy, you know, has done a bit as well, like... No, 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 no. I Jonathan mean, what I'm saying is locally... Yeah. People that stay in the country. Well, it's, ama it's amazing, yeah. right? Like, I'll get 2,000 amazing comments and you'll get one. Oh, I don't like it. That's fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I don't like Leeds United. Yeah. I don't... Sorry, bud. <laughs> that big dad. You couldn't <laughs> pick the fucking wrong worst team there now, them. Uh, West. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But you get, my, you get what I mean. Like, yeah, you know, no. like, it's not going to be for everyone, right? But what it does for the city is it shows the city in sections of it that are beautiful. It brings a lot of money into the city. Yeah. It gives a lot of people work. I'm one of them. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks very much. Because you're, you know, like... Uh, but you know what I think what Timmy was getting at there? Yeah? Yeah. But you know what I think he was getting at there? Like, we've never seen fellas that was, like, represented from our area, that wore our clothes and listened to our music, get that much positive attention. And I think that's the best thing we did. Like, um... Killian Murphy and you know, and Jonathan Reese Myers, they played Henry VIII and all these big pinky peaky blind and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You played a fella from an area like ours. That we yeah. looked at the same fields, the schools we went to, the clothes we wore, and the same culture we had. And that's yeah. what I think that relatability and identification. We've never had that in popular culture. So that's what I think is great it, about it. It is it is really good in that sense. And it is like that it's it's light enough. But we get it in Dublin as well, and that they can relate to that as well. I know, no, I have the Cork accent, but I got a lot of love in Dublin when I was living there as well. And I, this is why I'm, I'm really grateful. You asked me the other day about the message. I've had a couple of shit days like everybody else, and I've gone out, and I'd be going down the road in the car, and I'd stop at the traffic lights, and a young fella will pass in the bike and go. Yeah. Like, that makes up for so much shit that you have to put up with in life that you do, and I'm just blessed that I get that. You know what I mean? So I just, I am really, really grateful, and I understand what you're saying, and I'm delighted to be representing that part of the city. I'm delighted to be representing Cork. I hope we do you proud and you entertain it, but at the end of the day, just remember, we're just having a laugh, all right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One second. Shane, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the stage with us. Thanks, I'm Listen, Shane Casey. You did brilliant, Brian. Well done. Thank you.